Chapter 84 of The Social War of 1900 or The Conspirators and Lovers. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Social War of 1900 or The Conspirators and Lovers by Simon Landis. Chapter 84 the fear and distress of the conspirators. It is often astonishing how long it takes the masses of the people to accept, or before they are even willing to examine, anything that is novel. New ideas and new discoveries or inventions are spurned, are the conjurations in public esteem of some brainless seeker after lucre. Probably this conclusion is arrived at by the masses because they themselves are guilty of doing nothing that does not bring money or its equivalent, hence the above-named conclusions. Oftentimes the most useful and logical matters must be kept floating before the public gaze for years before any of the modern patterns of society will behold the grandeur and superiority of such useful and logical matters. For instance, look at the public press which should be and is the moulder of the public mind. These men, who own and edit the newspapers, claim to stand at the head of the pile of moralists and humanitarians. But whilst they look upon long-established unphysiological and abnormal usages as the legitimate institutions of the land, they overlook and even spurn the establishment where new ideas, new to them but old as the world, are presented to the gaze of the people. These journals will collect all the murders, rapes, thefts, and other crimes that are committed over the world, and fill their columns, local and editorial, with these heinous and disgusting sins of criminals to the manner bred and born, and send this Ola Petrita to all the Christian families, where innocent, dear little children are fed on it, which has the effect upon these undeveloped minds to cause a desire for the sumptuous dishes which come through criminal courts and crime-publishing newspapers. Whilst these heathen owners and editors of this public mind-molding press have looked for many years upon the science of sexual physiology, secrets of generation, and normal regeneration with a holy horror. They nevertheless profess to be the guardians of the public and private morals, whilst they were themselves besmeared with criminal slime from crown to toe. Consistency seems to be no part of such men's acts as little as it is with the lethargic minds who spurn new ideas, inventions, and discoveries. But when the people once begin to see through such a criminal code of morals, they change like magic, and then the obsolete matters will be instantly forgotten, and will be treated as stupid and worthless. It has been so from time immemorial in all things, and it is equally so with the scientific teachings of Dr. Juno. The whole people now applaud him and those who, several years ago, have spurned and persecuted him, would now kiss the ground he walks on, if they were privileged to do so. Many cannot even yet see the propriety and need of advocating the fixed laws of human generation and regeneration. But to the wise a hint on this subject will suffice. These are the two topics which have caused one continual round of distress to the orthodox conspirators simply because if such practical, scientific piety were carried out by all who increase and multiply, that false religion of the conspirators, which is founded upon conjecture, would receive a permanent death, and this bitter spirit of persecution of the man Juno, 
who advocated the only bona fide piety, would not have taken place. Consequently, this war, and the terror that now prevails amongst the orthodox conspirators, would not exist. These bigots and self-righteous drones are paying heavily for their folly. Very, very few respectable people stand by them, and they are all as much in fear of the working classes and naturalists as they used to despise these sovereign people of America. Who but sensualists, drunkards, gluttons, misers, and selfish dupes are their satellites and hireling soldiers? Not an honorable decent person would even at the close of this nineteenth century be counted as a partner of their religion or ill-gotten lucre, lucre that was unjustly wrung from the working people by all sorts of cunning and craft, as is too well known to their dullest followers. Today these people are in terrible fear and distress, from the fact that they see that the bone and sinew of the land are exacting their inalienable rights, are demanding the long-standing account to be summarily settled, which was due to them many years ago, but was haughtily withheld from them by these political and sectarian usurpers. These false guides would cheerfully, this moment, sell their birthrights for a mess of pottage, and join the cause of the naturalists, if they would be sure that they would be accepted, and thought they could extricate themselves from their Augean filth and stereotyped blasphemy. They have by far the largest army, but their leaders lack courage, their soldiers are debauched, their women are downcast, and in fact the whole thing looks bad viewing the matter from an internal standpoint. Of course, the world at large is not acquainted with the true state of affairs, and it is now the time when the leading but gloomy conspirators can practically and excusingly apply their hypocrisy, by keeping up the deception that their army and navy are by far the most numerous, which is their only salvation to this hour. For if their own people, throughout the sectarian world, would know the true state of affairs, seven-eighths of them would prove false to the bad cause of orthodoxy and leave it, joining the strong and safe side, because these people are awfully afraid to die. You can hear them continually lament that it is a serious thing to die. If they were the saints they profess to be, they would rejoice when the hour of their departure for the blessed realms of angels would arrive. In fear and trembling the orthodox conspirators are pushing the war with all their might, and the cry is, This coming battle will win for us. Our army is immensely large. We have the very best generals. The navy is in a good state, but of little use in the coming fray. Hurrah for the orthodox army! End of chapter 84